Welcome to the Be Brave podcast, where ordinary, badass, brave women speak their stories of courage and strength. We hope that by hearing the struggles and successes of women just like you, it will help you be brave. Please note that the Be Brave podcast does cover adult topics that include overcoming adversity in areas of sexual abuse, addiction, depression, and other difficult experiences. Today, we have as our guest, Maite Dussault. She has an MS in education and is the CEO and founder of Inspiring Your Best Life, LLC. She is a law of attraction coach and speaker. Maite helps her clients gain clarity on what they truly want out of life, increase their self-awareness, ditch old stories that no longer serve them, and redirect that energy toward creating and manifesting a life they love. Maite teaches and guides her clients to leverage the principles of the law of attraction to live lives that are intentional and expansive. She has spent her career helping others improve their lives and now continues to serve by helping her clients to recognize and harness the power within. Maite lives in the Tampa Bay area and enjoys the beach and being active on her bike or paddle boarding on the water. She loves her son, Maximilian, and her animals, Nama and Simon. She is an active learner focused on improving her skills and knowledge. She lives the law of attraction. I love that. I love that. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> After Carrot reads our famous quote, I have a really cool question for you about that. Okay. Welcome, Maite. Uh, yes, I'm going to read you the quote that we read to all of our all of our guests, and it's the reason really we do what we do. One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. So we really appreciate you being here to share your story. Well, thank you. Yeah, Maite, I know your story is really, you know, a difficult one to, to learn about for me when I learned about, you know, what happened to you. But before we dive into that story, I want to know what is the law of attraction to you? How do you live that? Can you help us understand that? Sure. So, you know, the law of attraction is a universal law that basically says that what you focus on, you get more of. So like attracts like. And for me, the journey of living law of attraction is practicing the principles, like being aware of where my thoughts and feelings are, checking in with myself and doing the things that help me to stay in a high vibration sort of state. And that pretty much is, you know, what feels good, you know, self-care, morning routine, being in gratitude. That's probably the most constant and the most powerful for me because I'm always constantly in any kind of situation, you know, what can I be grateful for? And when you look at the, the levels of consciousness and, and the emotional scale related to feelings, appreciation is really high up there with love. And so that's kind of how I practice. Awesome. Yeah. I, there's a saying that I've heard and I don't know exactly how it was told to me, but you can't be like depressed or sad if you're grateful. Like it, those two are two opposite. So that's awesome. Mm. Thank you, Maite. 
You're welcome. Yeah. So, and obviously you've, you've dug yourself out of what some people might not have been able to come through and be in a position where you're at. And that is that you lost your husband. Your husband passed away when your son was five months old. Mm-hmm. Can you share that story with us? Sure. Sure. So um, it was my second marriage and we were very excited. Um, We were on vacation actually, because we had uh, made the decision. I had gotten a job offer in Florida. And so we were coming to visit my family and scope out some houses and areas to live. And we were on vacation and on uh, January 1st, so it was New Year's Day um, at about midday, I was with my husband and he had what John Ritter died of. It's an aortic valve that is either not fully developed or malfunctioning. And apparently he knew about this and didn't share that information. And so as you can imagine, it, it was just a horrific situation to be in. I was there with my parents. We were staying at my, you know, childhood home. And I mean, not to make a long story, but, you know, call 911, my brother and his wife show up and they're both athletic trainers and did CPR. And, you know, he, he basically, you know, died pretty instantly, but they prolong it to get to the hospital and all those things. And so you didn't, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you didn't know he had this issue. So you couldn't even tell the paramedics about this. No. And I don't know if it would have mattered. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it would have mattered. I mean, He was someone that, oh, in some regards, lived life real full, like, and, you know, partook of smoking and, you know, drinking and, you know, all those things. And we were on vacation. And I just think, and, and the reality is that there was also, he was under a lot, a lot of stress, which, you know, I haven't even shared this part of the story and I, and I really won't go into it, but after he passed away, I recognized, not recognized, it became known to me that there were a number of things that he was struggling with that I had no idea about that were really causing an incredible amount of stress for him. And so it, it was a the perfect storm. I always I used to always say that, you know, he just decided that it was too much only because he didn't take care of himself knowing what he knew about his health. Mm-hmm. So And imagine being on vacation and having to call your in-laws to tell them their son had had passed away. It was just, it was so surreal, just incredibly surreal. But what I realized, and, you know, I I realized two things. One is that things not realized, but was validated in everything happens for a reason. And that was something that just became, you know, a pillar of strength for me because I didn't know why this had happened. But I have a strong belief or one of my core beliefs is that everything happens for the highest good of me and and of others. Did you feel that way like the day he passed away or did it take you some time to come to that? No, pretty shortly thereafter. But I mean, not that day because that day was just too much. Mm, Yeah, right. Like, you know, you don't it, it was just so unexpected. Sure. You know, I looked at it as okay. In the scope of what just happened, like it could not have been any better because, you know, I worked and he, he did construction. And so there were so many times that he would, he would go to the daycare and pick up our son. Mm -hmm. Like that could have happened on the way home. Right. It could have happened. I mean, it happened and I was in, 
in my family home with my parents and my family. So in all the different ways that mattered to me, like I could look at the situation, which was horrific and still be able to kind of see, wow, you know, it could have been so much worse, even in that situation. And, and so that way of thinking has sort of always been part of who I am. And, and that was just an, a, an amazing opportunity to really put things in perspective and to really draw on, okay, what am I going to do? Because I think my family was expecting that I would move to Miami and, you know, I have basically a newborn and, you know, come back home and we'll help you. And I was like, "Hmm, nope, I have a life here and I have a job that I enjoy and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. Was your, was your son with you while you were on vacation? Was he with you and your husband? Mm -hmm. So he was with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so you were vacationing from a different part of Florida or from a different state? from a different state. We lived in Delaware at the time. And uh, the organization that I worked for had a program in Florida. So we had come to check out the area, which is Mount Dora, fairly close. You you guys know. And we, we went to Mount Dora and then we went to Miami to visit my family. Gotcha. And the thing that's really cool about that, and again, I, I say this and for people who are listening, they're like, what do you mean something cool? It had happened 21 years ago, so there's there's space. But I had given him a uh, video camera for Christmas early, so that we could take on vacation. So during that time, there there's a video recording of him with my son Max, and you just got to see him, and you got to hear him, and you got to really feel how much he loved my son and the relationship that we had, and. It was a real gift to have that for, you know, my son. And it was really weird because for the longest time, I didn't even really think about it too much. And it was probably in my son's sophomore year in high school that I was like, oh, I have something for you. Wow. And it, it was super, super meaningful for him. Oh, I can, I can imagine that like that was just some forethought right there, for, you know, from some divine intervention. Right. Yeah, that's fantastic. Because you know, have him, you know, and who he was in his final, you know, month or so. Yeah, it was was pretty special. I think I would have watched it and listened to it. Like as you're telling that story, I see myself curled up in bed with like all the wrong food and probably bottles (laughs) of wine around me, watching that video (laughs) over and over and over and over. Was that something you did or how did you handle that? No, I saw it with Max. So like 17 or 18 years later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never saw it. It was a, I mean, I had seen it, I think right after, um, but it was like, you know, in the video cassettes and all that. And I remember getting a coupon from one of those companies that, that translates video cassettes into CDs. And so I got it done and then I thought, okay, it's, it's time. I, I don't know why I waited that long, but I did. And, uh, and it was, it was extremely powerful for my son because, you know, it's not like we got divorced or, you know, we didn't know who his father was like he, that's his dad. And that's how he relates to him, even though, you know, he did he never knew him. He didn't, he didn't ever have any memories of him. Yeah. I was just going to ask that. Did he have any memories? And if he did, I'm sure they were kind of vague. No. Yeah. No, no, none. He, he got to know him through me to a certain extent. And 
we have a really close relationship with Michael was his name, uh, Michael's sister and her husband. And my son is very, very close with with them. And so, oh, that's wonderful. They get a lot. He gets a lot of information about who he was and all of that from them. Oh, that's great. Does he look like your husband? Oh, my goodness. Very much so. I don't see it as much as other people say that he does, but every once in a while he'll do a gesture or he'll say something. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's your father. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's got a big heart and he's, he's just very thoughtful and he's, he's good in that way. I think he got the best of both of us. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, um, can you get, and have you thought about getting him checked for the same thing that Michael had? Okay. Yes. We did. Okay. Initially when he, he was six foot four. And so the doctor who did the autopsy thought that he had Marfans and Marfans. One of the distinguishing features is that your wingspan is longer than how tall you are. And Michael was right at that point. So he got checked for all of that. And he did have a heart murmur, but you know, it's been checked throughout the years and we're at a place where it's not an issue. So yeah, that was definitely something that we wanted to check on. Oh, that's good. That's good news. Important to know that stuff. Yeah. Now, did you, were you doing, uh, it sounds like no, but maybe you're doing it on the side because you talked about having a job with a company. You had, you started the, your law, a law of attraction work professionally before your husband passed. No. I mean, I knew about it. I had read The Secret. I'm a incredible parking manifester, you know, kind of person. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> wait, wait, does that does that mean you like find the right parking space? I don't know what that oh, means. Always. Oh, that's great. So I will, you know, as I'm approaching a parking lot, I'm like, I am getting the best parking space ever. And, you know, that's what I would always say. Now I just get them. It's, it's the most interesting thing. So, but that was one of the exercises in the secret was to start focusing on getting good parking spaces. And because Abraham Hicks say it's just as easy to manifest a button as it is a castle. And so if you think about it from a parking space, well, if you can manifest good parking spaces, you can manifest quite a bit else, you know? That's yeah. so funny. I read the secret. I don't remember the parking piece, but that's a, that's a good tip. <laughs> start slow. <laughs> exactly. Maite, tell us like, here you are in Miami, you're with your parents in your childhood home. Your husband dies abruptly. He wasn't sick. You had no idea it was coming. How did, how did you pick yourself back up? You have this five month old. You, you're, I mean, how did you do that? Where did you go? What did you do? How did you pick up? What, what support system did you need? Did you refuse? Tell us that stuff. So for me, it was a decision. So it's like two parts. On the one hand, you're devastated. You're reeling from this loss because you're not like, that's not what I signed up for. I signed up to be parents and create a family for my child. And, and happily ever after, forever together. And happily ever after, exactly. Right. And so that loss is in the back of your head, pretty much a lot. But the other part of me was, okay, everything happens for a reason and it's my responsibility. I also looked at it as, you know, the 
the glass half full because the reality was that I loved this man and we were together, but we also had our struggles. And in hindsight, I can say to you that we were moving to Florida to start fresh, to really get a new start. So what does that mean? There was a lot of hope about things getting to a place that that felt really good. But the reality was that there was some struggle there. And so again, you know, this happens. And I think to myself, okay, now I get to raise my child and it's just me and I get to make all the decisions and I, I'm the parent. And so I had a job, which was a pretty good job. And I enjoyed the job and it was doing admissions for a residential program and I traveled. And so I had an incredible system of people, just this incredible village of people that supported me. And so, you know, the first five years of his life, I would take him with me. And I had a lady where I, where I would stay for a week and I had a lady who would watch him during his next five years. I was able to have these great friends who would just take care of him while I traveled. But during it all, it was all about just every day making a decision that I was going to provide a good life for my child. And, you know, what did that look like? And had these blinders on in terms of working hard. And, and I remember as Max was growing up, I mean, he had already lost a parent and here I was the only parent he had and he, and I would go away for a week at a time to, you know, for my, for my job. And he would always say, mom, why don't you quit your job? And I always said to him, you know, I do this job because A, I like it. I'm good at it. And number two, it provides a lifestyle for us. So my kid, you know, was able to do a lot of things and he's big in scouts. And that was probably the best decision that I ever made. So that was a huge support to me. I will always be indebted to the Boy Scouts of America because particularly our troop just did a phenomenal job of creating these really good humans. My son is an Eagle Scout. I was just going to ask that. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. And, and it provided the male role models because, you know, I dated a little bit, but I didn't have a serious relationship until my son was 12. And that lasted for about four years off and on. And in the end, not a great relationship. And it's so funny because we just had a conversation about it the other day. And, and I said to him, you know, it was a great opportunity for you to learn how not to be. Oh, and he was like, so uh, yes, for sure, mom. You know, I, I think because of who I am and because of this opportunity to, to raise my child by myself, that he's just really thoughtful. He's just a really good person. And I give credit, obviously, to myself, but also to how I tried to live my life and the village of people who supported me, who were just really great people who are still part of my life and, and have been a part of his. And it's just been really amazing. From a law of attraction perspective, that came a little later because what ended up happening is that, okay, so I lose my husband, I've got this job and I'm like, okay, I'm going to make this work. And I played by the rules. I was successful. You know, I made a good life for my son, but inside during the, probably the last five years of that kind of 20 year, there were a lot of changes where I worked and, and I was just like, this can't be what my life is going to look like. Like, and I felt like 
I was in a corner. Like I didn't know how, where I could get a job. Like I was in a niche position because our owner paid us a lot of money to keep us. And so anybody who did the same thing that I did anywhere else in those programs wasn't making what I was making. So in order for me to leave that way, it was just not going to work. I had started doing a little hustle on the side, doing network marketing with a health and wellness company. And it was, it was interesting. It was a great community of women and, and people that I met and, and that provided for a lot for me, but I was never really successful. I think the, the most that I got out of it was an incredible personal development journey that sort of matched my spiritual journey because it's all about you know, what are you focusing on? So law of attraction without being called law of attraction started happening during that time. And my girlfriend sent me a video of Abraham Hicks. And in that video, you know how they say, when you're ready, the teacher appears. Yes. Well, Abraham Hicks was the teacher that appeared. And I remember looking at, listening to that video or watching that video and really getting that it's up to me. Like it had always been up to me and I had done it but in this moment, like this was about me and, and my life and what my life was going to be like moving forward. And I got to decide. And so it was very clear to me that I had to change how I was thinking. And what I did was just change to be more hopeful because I had been stuck, unfulfilled, unhappy. I hate this job. I'm never going to get another job. I'm too old. Like those were the things that were going on in my head. And after watching that video, it's like, no, I have to change that. So I started with, okay, I know that everything always does work out for me. My mother gave me a curse when I was young. She says, you're going to get everything that you want, but it's going to be the hard way. I just know it's going to be the hard way. (laughs) Thanks, mom. Oh my, that's terrible. I know she, she denies it, but I (laughs) definitely know that it's true. And in the end, everything has always worked out for me. And it has also been a little bit more challenging than most, I would say. But I shifted it to say everything is always working out for me. And I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be great. I just know something's going to happen. And that led me to my company, eliminating my position, offering me a severance package. And I said, you know what? I'm going to take it. And I'm going to do this network marketing full time because I see lots of people making money. Like I can do this. And so I did. And I spent a year and a half at home, working from home with my kid, able to, mom, I forgot my computer, taking the computer to the high school or carpooling him and his friends to school, having the house that everybody wanted to come to and and hang out at. It was just the most precious time that I had. But network marketing didn't work for me. And I got some coaching because I'm like, what is wrong with me? Like, what am I not doing right? And what I realized in my coaching was that that just wasn't the right fit. But the guy who was coaching me through this organization was like, you would be a really good coach. And I had heard that because part of what I did when I spent that year doing network marketing was that I developed a personal brand of motivating and inspiring. So I would do lives. I always had positive quotes. I talked about gratitude. I do a lot of what I did now, but without it being about that, I just wanted people to know who I was. And as a result of knowing who I was, maybe at some point they'd want to lose weight and get healthy. And so when I did the coaching, I had already heard from some people, you know, why don't you think about coaching? And so having done the coaching led me to look into their program and their program was a law of attraction coaching certification. 
because the, the what I had done had been through, I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Joe Vitale is, but he's a, a, a pretty well-known person in the law of attraction field. He was in the secret. He's one of the people in the secret. Oh, okay. So he does, this organization does coaching for different thought leaders. And so I did that life coaching certification. But right at the time that I'm graduating from this program, I was also saying, okay, universe, help me because I'm running out of money. I, I need to figure this out. So my son goes off to college and I land a job, which would have been my last career job doing what I had been doing for 20 years in this program in New York. That was amazing. It was like the, the gold star in, in the kinds of programs that, that we were associated with. And so I went, I packed up my house and sent my son off to college and moved to New York. And I lasted there seven months. They let me go. New York City or New York State? In New York State, outside okay. of the Catskills in a little town called Monticello. They let you go after seven months? Wow. They hired me to do something that they weren't really ready to do. And it was devastating for about a week. And then I was back to, okay, something better must be happening because things always happen for a reason. They happen for my highest good and everything works out for me. My girlfriend says to me, she, she came up to see me and says, okay, pack up your stuff. You're coming to Florida. Just move in with me and my husband and figure it out. And you can stay there as long as you need to. And I did just exactly that. Moved to Mount Dora for three months. And I knew exactly when I made that decision that I was going to be in Tampa because Tampa had been a dream of mine for a long, long time. I always knew when I retired, I would move to Tampa because it's a beautiful city. It's on the water. It's a car ride from Miami and it's just where I want to be. And so I did that. And when I moved to my friend's house, I'm like, okay, three months from now, I'm going to be living in Tampa. And sure enough, three months from that, I had found a job, found an apartment and did that for a year. Now, mind you, I had this law of attraction certif uh, certification and I hadn't been using it because when I took that job, I was like, okay, I can't move, start a new job. It, it was too much. Come to Tampa, get another job. Cause again, I needed income and then COVID hits and I get like, let go for the second time. And so imagine I'm this is in my mid fifties when this is happening. And I'm like, oh my God, like what is going on? But again, I got to go back to who I am and how I look at the world. And I took a little bit of time and I'm like, hey, well, this is the perfect opportunity for me to start my business and become a law of attraction coach. It sounds like the universe was directing you to do that by laying you off the first time, but you didn't quite get the message. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just, you know, no. sometimes you look back at things and you're like, maybe there was a message there and I didn't get it. And we don't, you know, it's a scary thing to go out on your own, of course, and, and get out from underneath the security of a full-time job. And, and then the universe screams it at you. Here it is. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm serious. Yes. I'm laying no, you off again. For sure. Yeah. But what's funny was that I look at it, I agree with you, but I look at it as that opportunity to go experience that. And I'm still not 100% sure what it was. It was like this detour. And I remember having a healer that I went to say to me, I think it's great that you're going to do this job, but I want you to know that that's just a bridge. Mm. 
And I went, oh, okay. So I kind of had that in the back of my head. So, but it got me to Tampa, which is where I wanted to be. Like that was really important to me. And then once I got into Tampa, I started. And then my last manifestation was moving to the beach because that literally happened in six weeks. Wow. Yeah, six weeks. My then boyfriend had moved to Dunedin and I was like, okay, well, when my lease is up, I'm going to move to Dunedin. And he's like, well, you better start thinking and, and looking at places. And then the next thing I know, an old girlfriend of mine posts on Facebook that she's moved to the area. I meet with her. She's in a relationship that's not working. She moves in with me. And then we move into this house. And literally from the moment that I, I said to her, hey, you know, why don't you come stay here until you figure it out to the time that we moved in was six weeks. Wow. Yeah, it was it was crazy. That's a great story, Maite. Maite, there's something that you said about you and your husband that I want to go back to. Is that okay? Sure. You said that you were in turmoil. And I've never had a child, but I've seen a lot of my friends who have had children. And this, if this is too tough to think about or talk about, you can share with me. But I, um, I sometimes I think and I'm not saying this was you, but sometimes I think a couple will say, well, we'll have a baby. We want a baby. We'll have a baby and that will bring us closer. And sometimes it doesn't bring people closer. It becomes more of a, of a responsibility. And if, if a couple's already having some struggle and they have a baby, I've seen it happen so many times where that struggle doesn't go away. It gets worse. I'm just, I was just curious as you were telling your story, saying that, hey, there was some turmoil in our relationship. If that, like where that came from, or if you would be comfortable speaking about that. Sure. Well, I'd have to take you back to just talking about this man because he came into my life at a point where I wasn't feeling really good about myself and I was really struggling. And this man was six foot four, looked like John F. Kennedy Jr. And he was just smitten with me. Uh-huh. Ooh. And he... Where were you when you met him? Like, how did you guys meet? I met him at a bar. I met him okay. at a bar. All right. Awesome. It was like, it was like a Wednesday night, ladies night. I was with my girlfriend and we went and there he was. And he was wearing this white uh, button down polo with jeans. And he just could not have looked hotter. <laughs> I love that you remember what he was I wearing. Know. Oh my God. Yeah. So he, and he was just, he was a really great person, but he had, he had some demons. He had some issues with responsibility, with just, it's, it's complicated, but there was some stuff going on with him. And I made a choice back then that I was not willing to give him up, even though I had a sense that it wasn't the right person for me. Like, my expectations and what I wanted. So that's kind of how we started. But this was after we had gone on for a while. I'm like realizing and I got pregnant and, you know, I'm Latin. You don't get, and, and I'm, you know, somewhat traditional. You don't get pregnant and I'll get married. And so we talked about it and he wanted to marry me. So we set the date for July to get married and I had a miscarriage in May. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was at the end of my trimester. I'm so sorry. Thank you. That's, it's interesting because that, that has never, I would, again, you know, it's what you choose to believe. I always chose to believe that I didn't carry that pregnancy because it wasn't meant to be, Yeah. you know, mm. get it. 
So I was okay with that. Anyway, so he says to me, well, you know, you're not pregnant anymore. Maybe we should postpone, you know, until September or October. And I was, listen, if you are willing to marry me, baby or no baby, we're getting married. So we get married and um, I get pregnant in October. So he, he was struggling. He, he was struggling. So to your point, I think that he so wanted this child. And, you know, this is just the craziest story. So I'm just going to put it out there because I, I need to be as real as I can be with you. After he, after he passed away, I came to find out that he had more children than he had ever told me and had been responsible for. So my son was number five. Okay. Wow. wow. So when I tell you that the man had a lot of stress, he had the stress of, you know, being a provider and I'm pregnant. He's going to have another child. Again, I didn't know any of this until after the fact. Wow. Wow. So he's under a lot of, of stress and, you know, I'm, I'm pregnant, trying to figure things out. And I'm going to tell you the kindest heart could make anybody laugh. Everybody who met him loved him. Aww. Everybody who met him just loved him. He was just really great guy. And we had so much fun. We just had a great time together. There was just so much that was positive. But there was this other side. And so I do believe, and I'll, and I'll tell you another part of the story, which is really fascinating to me, but I, I really do believe that all of that contributed to, to creating that perfect storm for him to, to, to be under that level of stress with the medical condition. Sure. He, he, cause you didn't even know he, he didn't, he had, he was keeping that. He was keeping a secret, the secret and secrets, secrets, you know, are, are, we think they keep us safe, but they really don't. So this is the crazy part. So I met this woman who's an angel card reader and she focuses on, uh, she's a grief therapist, but she's also giving these free sessions because um, she's really like developed, not developing, but really getting in touch with this other side where she can speak with people who have passed. So I signed up for this lesson, so this session with her. And so I had no idea what I was going to ask her about. And in that moment, I asked her, I want to know why, why did Michael leave? What was going on? So she says that he was there and she was talking to him and, and you know, he said all the, the normal stuff. I'm really sorry. I, you know, I wish it had been different. You've done a great job. Like just the stuff that, you know, anybody could say. And I asked her something like, you know, why didn't he trust me to tell me or why I feel like there's a reason he left besides this. And what she said to me was that he made a choice because he didn't trust himself. He didn't trust himself to be the father that he knew that Max needed. Aww. And it freaking made perfect sense to me. Like in that moment, I was like, okay, so all of this was going on and you chose on some level to make it so that I got to raise him. Wow. So what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I'm gonna tell you, I was angry for a really long time. Oh, I would think so. Yeah. How did you learn about this, Maite? Through his family who knew all about all of this. <gasps> they did. They knew and they didn't tell you. Yeah. They knew and they never told me, but I knew about one of them, but he, he didn't, he didn't accept responsibility. He, he said that it wasn't his, his child. And then the other ones, one of his sisters, not the one that I'm close to another one said something to me 
as if I th- I knew this information. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mm. And in that moment, she realized that I didn't know. And oh my, she ended up telling me. Wow. So, so how did you deal with the anger? Like, tell us about the anger you felt and how you got over that. I would, and I'm sure there was, was there betrayal in there? Was there any other emotions other than anger? Like what was behind the anger? There was betrayal because, you know, at least with the one daughter that I knew about, he didn't own up to it. And I just felt like he, he didn't own up to it because he didn't think that I would stay with him. I think that that was the fear that I would leave him. You know, little did he know that if he had told me that probably would have been a better thing for the two of us to have handled together and figured it out, you know, cause that's, that's the kind of person that I am. I didn't handle it. Well, I feel like for a really long time, I just bottled it away and it fueled my focus on taking care of my kid and providing a good life for my kid because it really was my responsibility. And I took that really seriously. So I think that that's what it did for a really long time. The negative of it was that because I was so hurt and, and so pissed off that he chose to do this. And, and, and when I say chose, Again, not taking responsibility for his health, not taking responsibility for the choices that he made in his lifestyle that created the environment where this could happen is what I mean by that, not what I mentioned uh, when I did the, the card reading. The part that's hard about that is that because I was in that place, I couldn't for the longest time share who he was with Matt. Mm, I see. So... Max had a dad, but it wasn't like, oh, your dad did this or, you know, like he was not a big part of our life. And so Got it. it took a long time for me to get to the place where I had forgiveness for myself, because remember, I made the choice to, to be with him and, and him understanding, which is, you know, where I go to now, because there was, there was a big part of judgment. In, in that for me with him to really understand. And, and, and then I went to just real sadness for him that he couldn't like, you know, I, I believe that everybody does the best job that they know how. Yeah, I agree. When you can be in that place and you just get to allow for things to be the way that they are without and, and be able to release those feelings of anger and betrayal and hurt and, and all of that. And it, and it explains why you waited so long to share the video or to look at the video. Yeah. Yeah. Now it makes sense to me. Thank you for being so vulnerable and sharing that, Marte. That must have been really hard Yeah, to go through. But I imagine a journey that taught you so much about yourself and was probably the necessary thing for you to go through to be who you are today, which is what I think oh. this podcast is all about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is being able to... to to really take what you are handed in your life and figure out how to use it for what's best for you. Yeah. So, so what would you, what would you tell that young mom who has this five month old baby just lost her husband and is learning all of these things that she didn't know? What would, if you could go back and tell her something, what would you tell her? I would say to her, just know that you're doing great. This is a really, really difficult situation. 
and you're doing great because it was, it was hard. Yeah. I mean, I was second guessing myself and, and just struggling to figure out who I was because you go from being married to being a widow, to being single, to having a kid, to never had a kid before. I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Trying to make the best decisions. Always for me, the biggest thing that I struggled with was just the time management. How much time to my kid? How much time for me? How much time with my friends? Like how to manage all of that so that Max got what he needed because that was really important. But I was never going to be the the parent who like he became my life. That was never going to be me. And so like it's almost easier if you do that because you then you then you don't have to make decisions about anything else. You can just focus on your child and everything becomes about your child and. And that's not necessarily good for you, but in some ways it's easier when you're trying to do the balancing act with all of those things. Like I did a number on myself, you know, and, and the thing about you're doing a great job is just recognizing that it's okay because, you know, here I am wondering, am I going to screw up my kid and my kid as a young adult says, mom, you did such a great job. I had a great childhood. That's so great. That's so great. I bet your itty bitty shitty committee had some opinions, the the talk in your head about, you know, am I messing up my kid and you should really do it this way? Why are you doing that? I'm sure there was a lot of that going on inside your head. The chatter. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you shared that because I literally wanted to ask you, um, one, I wanted to say, I'm assuming Max knows about Michael, about his dad. All of it. All of it. And two, what what would Max say about the upbringing that he had? And you just shared that with us, that his mom did a great job. That's awesome. And let me just share one last thing. I mean, you may have other questions, but one thing about this whole uh, other children. So Max has a sister. So the, the one that I sort of knew about was always, not always, but she had reached out to me a couple of times and Max considers her his sister and- Oh, that's awesome. Laura considers him her brother and they are like this. That's awesome. I got a bonus daughter out of all, all of that. So- That says so much about you, Maite, too, to welcome that young, I know. young woman in your life and, and have that be. That's really awesome. Yeah. Thank you. She's wonderful. What was Max's favorite book as a child? What was the book that you would go to to read him? <laughs> Where the Wild Things Are, because uh, the, the main one. character's name is Max. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's, That's right. So great. That's great. Awesome. Is there any, any, like, what would you tell someone who might be listening, who might be going through something similar where they might, you know, you, you seem like you didn't have any guilt um, around or shame around it. You had some anger, rightfully so. If someone were in your same shoes and they're just starting this journey, what would you tell them? I would tell them to just believe in themselves that I think innately when you love someone, your child, you're going to do what's best for them and to cut yourself some slack because it's a hard job and you don't get a manual and to just know that in every moment you're doing the best job you can and just really know that. I think that would make a huge difference in in young parents or young moms' lives because I think that, as you said, the itty bitty shitty committee, you know, does a great job at second guessing and putting you in those lower vibrations of fear, worry, stress, doubt. So 
you know, what I do with my clients is, you know, when you have that, be aware of it and make a choice to shift that to something that feels better. And giving yourself credit for the job that you're doing every single day is really important. It feels so wrong for us to give ourselves credit sometimes. Yeah. Like you're bragging, like you're, you know, you're full of yourself. Yeah. Well, we, we should do actually more of that because we don't do it enough and we're doing a great job. Yeah. Agreed. Also, it sounds like you leaned on people and allowed them to help you and figure out how you were going to raise this child on your own, raise Max on your own. So I think that's another lesson in this. Can you cite any resources? Like, was there anything that you either read or maybe a support group you went through? I know you have always had a more positive spin or outlook on things, but is there anything that you can cite that you said, you know, I read this and it really, or, you know, I spoke to so-and-so and anything there? Nothing that comes to mind. Okay. But I think we all, all of us have those people in our lives. I hope we all have those people in our lives that are the ones that are going to be there for us. And so in those moments, that's, that's who you need to rely on. You know, that could be your family. For a lot of people, it's their family. And for a lot of people, it's their friends. And for me, it was my friends. Like my family was definitely supportive, but they lived in Miami. I, you know, I, I left one, as soon as I became an adult and I could do my own thing, I moved North. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So no, I don't, I don't know of any support groups, but I mean, the idea of, for me, I did some parenting books, you know, like how to raise a boy. I did, I did do this thing called reevaluation counseling, which I don't even know if it still exists. It may up North, but it was uh, a group of people that really came to de- together to do almost like peer counseling. And, and the, the essence of it was to really be present in the, to be present in the presence of someone else and allow them to tell their story and, and really listen. And, you know, if you had to ask questions, fine, but you were there to really allow them to get whatever it is out of their, their system, so to speak. And they would do these family uh, workshops. And it was like a long weekend that we did at this camp. And again, Max and I were just having this conversation the other day. And part of what they're they were really focused on was allowing your kids to be very aware and cognizant of allowing your kids to fully express themselves, provide a safe environment so that when they're angry, when they're, you know, joyful, whatever, but particularly in those emotions that we tend to say, boys don't cry or, you know, what, what are you so upset about? Like, it's not a big deal. Like those kinds of statements that you really pay attention to that. And so one of the things that I would do is just like, whenever Max was, you know, getting overworked or upset or whatever, I'd sit him on my lap and I'd kind of hold him. And I would just say, Hey, you know, what, whatever you need to do, I'm here. It's going to be okay, but let it out. Aww. That's so great. And again, he remembers that. It's just the most interesting thing. That's great because he could pass that on when he, if and when he has kids. Yeah. Yeah. So finding support, you know, in your community. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But I don't have a specific. Okay. I just figured I'd ask, but the, no, that's great. Great advice. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for sharing. So my take. 
Yeah, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to get in touch with you or reach out to you and or learn more about you. Is there a website or something that we can give them that you would share to learn more about you? Sure. Awesome. So my website is uh, www.inspiringyourbestlife.com. And that was what I would say. I'm all about inspiring your best life whenever I did my lives back in my network marketing days and it just stuck. And also I do coaching calls. So if anybody's interested or has something that is on their heart and they just want somebody to listen to them, you know, I offer a complimentary session to help. It's really great. And, and you can do that through www.call with Maite, no spaces. And Maite is M-A-Y-T-T-E.com. Awesome. That's great. Maite, thank you so much for being so vulnerable with us to talk about your, your late husband and just everything you went through with, the, you know, it was, a, it was a surprise. It was a sudden, it wasn't, you know, it was a sudden death. It wasn't, you know, anything you could prepare for, obviously. And not to say that one is better than the other or more traumatic than the other, but it was a surprise. Thank you so much, ladies. This has been a pleasure. And I just really appreciated the opportunity to tell my story. And I hope that it does help someone to know that they are capable beyond what they think in that moment of tragedy. And they 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 create their life. So it's it's possible. That's a great ending. I know. That's awesome. Thank you for that. We hope this podcast has inspired and empowered you to overcome what might be holding you back from living your best life. If you love this podcast, please share it with a woman you know who needs a little empowerment. Now go out in the world and be bold, be brave, be you. Perfectly imperfect you. With love, Kara and Patty. If you say what you want to say And let the words fall out Honestly, I want to see you be brave I just want to see you I just want to see you I just want to see you I want to see you be brave All right, so um, can you guys hear my fan hum- humming? Can you hear the chatter in my brain? Mixed and edited by Desmond McNeese for We Mixed It, LLC. Go to whatsoundsawesome.com.